incredible sight. The sky is full, littered with house martins. And it's a rare respite from the wind this evening. No wind. None of our ridiculous summer wind that we've just had for the last three months or so. The sky is full of thick, dark clouds. Very atmospheric. And what's happened is on these... Well, I'd like to use the word balmy. Possibly bad choice. But on these usually balmy late August summer evenings ant colonies explode and you get tens if not hundreds of thousands of winged ants leaving the nest to try and find and set up new colonies and these house martins are stuffing their faces on juicy fat ants incredibly the ants sort of mate on the wing and uh, those fortunate will come down to earth and find a space to be able to set up another colony. I think these are possibly yellow meadow ants that these house martins are feeding on. They're quite quite tiny ants. What's happened a moment ago is great big clouds of house martins were swooping onto this big Corsican pine that looms down in the valley in front of the house and I think possibly the ants were trying to take refuge on the underbelly of the needles. <laughs> And the house martins were just scoffing them. And now they've risen as the ants have risen up into the atmosphere. The house martins have gone up there. Opportunity knocks. It's a wonderful sight. These guys won't be with us for much longer now. You know, they'll be building up their reserves ready for their several thousand mile flight back to southern Africa. I hope they've had a good breeding season. I imagine things haven't been easy for them with all the rain we've had. There's a few immature swallows now coming in on the act as well. Mixing in with the house martins. Sociable birds. I watched a hobby the other day over the pond. Came down and nailed the house martins. Spectacular things. I've seen them before over the village. Climbing and diving down on the flocks of martins and swallows that have been ducking and diving and screaming and squealing. Wonderful sight. Hello, listener. Welcome to another splendid edition of the Wiggly Podcast. Um, I've got no idea which number this will be, but this is literally the day of our third anniversary. So I'd like to cheer and whoop. Unfortunately, Heather's not here to cheer and whoop because she's going to have some of her incisors removed, having brought in lots and lots of hops from various farms around and hung them all up. And, oh, good, Phil, come to join us. Timely, Phil. Come on, come on, have a sit down. We were wondering where you were. Switch my phone off. Yeah, switch your, switch your phone off. Now, the other thing I should say is welcome back to Rachel Harry's because Rachel, as a listener, will possibly well remember, came and joined us towards the end of last year. At the time, she was doing an MA in Sustainable Development at Homeless College. She finished her MA now, of course. And, uh, yeah, she's... Of course, jubilant having done so and uh, and has managed to uh, get a few quid together and employ Rachel for four months to do what Rachel? Anything that comes to mind actually uh, well but really I'm looking at the things that Wiggly sell at the moment how we can improve what we're saying about them new products that we can find that fit in with what we're trying to do and what we're trying to promote 
and generally getting stuck in cutting sunflowers. I was out cutting sunflowers in the rain the other day. Right. And I think this little bit later I'm going to meet a hop farmer. So lots and lots of interesting, diverse things. Okay, fantastic. And it's great to be back. So you're here to pester us, to essentially give us a hard time about things that we've chosen that perhaps we shouldn't have chosen that are featuring the catalogue, that uh, are featuring in a way that perhaps they shouldn't feature. Yes, that is within my remit, so (laughs) (laughs) look out. Sort us suppliers out, I expect. That's the secret agenda there. You do need sorting out, Phil. I'm not easily sorted. No, you're not. You're not easily sorted. I I I wouldn't know where to to start. (laughs) I think Heather's got it fairly well sussed, but she's had a few more years on me and and she has slightly different uh, influences as well given her given her position so how's things phil anyway pretty potentially poor yeah <laughs> well here we are what, what date is it today the 11th of september so mm. normally we would finish our harvest easily by now in terms of area we haven't cut half the area yet right the crops that are out are deteriorating now because a lot of them are trying to grow. That's what they want to do. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, as seed producers, if they germinate in the field, that is a little early for their potential customers. Hopefully, if we do get a chance to harvest them, we will get you know the feed value or some feed value so that it shouldn't be a total loss. But one of our biggest problems is the ground conditions. We didn't get stuck, but... The potential is there to get stuck, and of course, if you get stuck when it's this wet, it is extremely hard to get large machinery unstuck. Yeah, yeah. I was interested. That, good old Defra. They, they, they are my favourite people. <laughs> but one of the any um, chance to have a dig. Well, uh, uh, this one I think is a, is a really good example. So we have this this thing. They <laughs> love all good examples. They love jargon, and they have yeah. this thing called cross compliance, which is a yeah. set of rules that we have to abide by to essentially qualify for our subsidy payment. Yeah. And these rules are as diverse as not trimming your hedges before the end of July and greasing your trailer up regularly, all this sort of stuff. But one of the rules of cross compliance is the care of your soil that you're not allowed to take heavy machinery onto the soil when it's waterlogged so that you damage it or rut it. So obviously this harvest has thrown up a huge issue on that because what option has anyone got? So they've had to give us a derogation to say that, of course, because it's raining, you can go onto your waterlogged soil and harvest your crops anyway. So what was the point of the rule in the first place? I'm not complaining, but I think, frankly... Any inspector who came and told a farmer this year that his field was too wet to harvest might not have appreciated the response he got. <laughs> but I, I just think that I while... Think you would more than appreciate the response While the, the bureaucrats are busying themselves with such crucial things as telling us that we can't drive on waterlogged soils and then giving us a derogation when they are waterlogged, I just think that's a great use of public money. <laughs> okay, and so that's uh, that's, that's definitely point again. But from from our practical point of view, there are people a lot worse off than we are, which I always find a comfort. I, I always think that until you are, <laughs> you actually can't find someone who's worse off than you. Then life is not too bad. It is a difficult one. I mean, I must admit, I'm I'm not. I'm a bit of a sunshine boy, and I'm finding it very difficult. All this uh, greyness, this dark, this kind of wetness, and uh, even to the extent where I'm thinking about selling the house and going backpacking to uh, to southern hemisphere. 
because I've just I've just had a, had a guts full of it. So even though you try and you know maintain some sort of enthusiasm and, and as you say, try and think, well, there are worse people that, that well, there are other people that are worse off than you. It's because it's been so long now. This weather has just daunted me for so long. It's it's so difficult to make. Well, Heather's any. saying that she reckons she's suffering from is it sad? sad yeah, well, seasonal <laughs> adjustment disorder in in when August, September or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. it is right. It, you know, somebody else. I think it was you, Rachel, came swanning back from some holiday somewhere with a nice tan and Absolutely. commented that the rest of us look completely pallid. Yeah. <laughs> um, Month in the south you know, of France. Is not really bad. quite appalling, <laughs> given that we're supposed to be outdoor folk and we're supposed to have been outdoors since June. Yeah. And I think the only day we reckoned that any of us could have scored any sunburn at all was the Wiggly Open Day back in yeah. July. Yeah. And that was the only day we reckoned that it was hot enough. That was possibly the nicest day of the year. The only nice day of the year. The the nice day of the year, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, um, to be on a slightly more positive, upbeat mode for the next few minutes, I I went over to Telford to see a contributor in many ways, Mark Eccleston, who's always a source of inspiration, uh, to look at what Mark had achieved on his green space just in front of his house. Uh, The development work that we talked about previously, I think the last time Mark would have featured on the podcast was probably March earlier on this year, has come to an end because uh, of the credit crunch. You know, there's, there's very little development going on. But Mark's been industrious with his community to create a wonderful space in front of his house. And it was a real eye-opener to see what a group of enthusiastic volunteers had managed to achieve in a relatively short space of time. So let's have a listen to what Mark's got to say. Right, I'm back with um, our Mark Eccleston, who many listeners will already be familiar with from his photography fame and various podcast cameos <laughs> in the past. And uh, I brought, brought you some nice plants, Mark. For Thank your, you very for your much. Yeah, for your house. Uh, well, I like your garden down at Wiggly's. And yeah, well, you've got some specimens now because uh, Hannah uh, chopped a few in half because the, the garden at Wiggly's is it's kind of outgrowing itself a little bit. So Hannah split some corms and whatnot. Oh, great so you've stuff. got a, some choice species there. Uh-huh. Um, how are you getting on anyway? I, I came this, down here when uh, March. You know, yeah, it seems a long time ago, isn't it? Six months now, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. It's good to see. Yeah, well, you can see what, what what's yeah, changed, changed, sort of thing. So, but this is like the wildflower area. A lot of people don't quite get this. They think it's a little bit tatty sort of thing, but right. it is actually packed full of insects. So, is that many types of bees, flies, hoverflies? Uh, you can get the dragonflies coming here, and it, it's just all sorts of it's things nice in here. But uh, I quite like it's it. It's one of my favourite bits, sort of thing, and it's. I quite often spend a lot of time here doing uh, uh, photography because there's that much other than the plants, and okay. it's just like right in front of the house. It, it's the same going somewhere. But fantastic. Well, but, uh, we should put. Uh, perhaps we should talk about the. Yeah, there's a little bit of background noise. We should put this place into, into context, <laughs> yeah. shouldn't we? Really, we're we're sort of stood in a in a green space that's essentially going to be smack bang in the middle of a, of a massive new development. Just as yeah, it's, it's supposed to be um, the biggest village development. In this country, it's about to be new. Three thousand new houses being built here. And the word village um, is, is used uh, quite loosely, I would yeah, imagine. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. But for the last sort of two years, bursts uh, have been putting in the roads and all the sort of infrastructure. Right. Some of the houses have been built, but obviously with all things that are happening, the, yeah, the, the, slow, the slowed down, right down with them. But uh, this noise has just been going on. For, it's got another six months of it yet. For, You're used but, to it now. I mean, it, oh, be... it drives you mad, though. You know, yeah. you're like working shifts or something. It, 
Fantastic. So, uh, of course, this green space here, then, because in many respects, because it's where, where it's situated, smack bang in, in a, a, essentially a, a built environment, it's it's very useful, isn't it? It's it's highly valuable for a range of species. Which, I mean, I look, I'm looking down at this Gelder Rose here. I mean, the berries are stunning on this plant, and there's a wonderful hoverfly. I mean, look at the colours in that. That's cracker, isn't you it? Have you taken any photographs of one like that? I have, yeah. This year, I've noticed that the berries are, are, are really doing well. This particular one, which say, what was it, a Gelder Rose? Yes, yes. And we got to all the um, the mountain ash. They've got full of berries this year, and it. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You have. And already the birds have started um, pecking at them, and you got all the. Um, oh, what's the berry that you make the wine out of? Um, oh, elderberry. Yeah, it's tons of that, and you can wow. see where the the, the blackbirds are because you no, know, when they eat it, you get purple poo everywhere, don't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can see all that starting. Yeah, so purple it, uh, poo all over your car. That's it. Yeah. People are often but, uh, uh, associate elder elderberry, uh, elderflower, and whatnot as being a um, a sign of neglect in a garden. But of course, the reality is, you know, it's such an important wildlife plant. Oh, well, I mean, you see all the insects on the flowers in, in the spring and um, sort of early summertime, and, and now it's got the fruit, which is obviously food for the birds. I mean, it's just the whole package, really, isn't it? It's, it, is, uh, it is wonderful. So as we, we go through here, and we've got various bits of some nice flea bane, mix of pines and whatnot. Oh, I can see some greater knapweed. Yeah, you say, you say flea bane is uh, sneezewort. Um, John's wart. These, these are all plants that have come from Rob. Okay, from, from the Rob start. Yes, from the um, from They've come from yeah. all, all. They're all local yeah. Shropshire sourced wildflowers, right. so it's uh, wonderful. Yeah, so it's all it. in keeping as well, isn't it? Yeah. So how did it all get here, though? I mean, what was the uh, what was the premise for this, really? I mean, you know, this is it. This is the effort of the community, isn't it? Very much so. Yeah. I mean, this particular baby just walked through the wild. That, that's been there. I've looked after that for about six years or so. And uh, come last year, I thought that it would be a good idea to put a path through so everyone can sort of appreciate what's there. And that was uh, sort of like the starting thing. Yeah. And when all, uh, all this work started here, I thought, well, it's about time that we've got a big green space here. It's, it's sort of essentially just trees and grass, and we need to sort of take ownership of it. So yeah. I approached Steve, you can see over there with his kids. Yeah, yeah. He's a, yeah. He's a coordinator for the Neighbourhood Watch. Right. So right. I approached him. Asked him could he send out a mass email to all the people on the estate, let me know what the idea was, and from that we've had loads of people helping, and it, uh, it's really brought the community together in a, yeah, in a yeah. quite an unexpected way, really. Fantastic. Well, the, the, should we go down and meet these guys? I know, I know the last time I was here, the, um, the local nursery came out, and all the children were helping that's to it, plant that's, uh, trees, bits and pieces. Puddle ducks were on the place. The last that's tree, right. yeah. That's right. So, so uh, yeah. you've got Steve and his two kids. Hello, guys. I think we met before, haven't we? Yeah, Richard, we haven't. Yeah. yeah. So what, is, what, what has he got you doing today? Babysitting. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what are you two young ladies up to? You got some welly boots on. Are you planning to do some work with your wellies? Like not really. Yes. Not really. <laughs> a, a child after my own heart. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, these so, are two of, the, two of the original ones who helped us when we uh, put the, the flowers in in the orchard. Right. Right. So okay. uh, I remember. Yeah, I, I met you fellas when uh, when I came down to stand you over the apple trees that uh, you planted. Yeah, lovely, lovely apple trees. Yeah. Yeah. Are there any fruit? I suppose we could there is, over we've, there's some fruit on there. We've got an apple. That is about ready to eat. I took a knife and a plate down so we can sample one fresh from the tree Just in a bit when we get down there. Yeah, yeah, yeah wonderful. As a, a bit of a symbolic moment, sort of thing. Isn't so, it? You're, so your enthusiasm hasn't waned at all, no, you're still no, into it, you know? It's still there. How, how much time do you spend down here, do you think, every week? A few hours, maybe. Okay, and that's all it takes, really, then, to keep it in this in this pristine state that I find it in now? It is, as, as long as you have somebody like Mark. Right, okay. Okay, so Mark does most of it, and we just wander up, look pretty, <laughs> which I am. Yeah. Absolutely. 
No, it's, it's, it's fine that once we got the, the big hard work out of the way, just a bit of tinkering around, you know, just hoeing, mowing, weeding, that sort of thing. And yeah. Now, who's responsible for mowing this? Because we've got these, we, we're stood at the moment in a, in a sort of semicircle. It's almost like a sort of a Druidian uh, uh, meeting place <laughs> and a huge. It. That's our sacrificial log in the middle, in the middle there. there. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and uh, TWS actually do the local the, the contractors for the council, they actually cut the grass. Okay. That's what they do, sort of thing. And then everything else is down to us. Wonderful. And they come and, on uh, once a month and do that. Oh, and then some of these trees, I mean, it's amazing how things mature. You know, you've got uh, some cherries and some field maples and some ash and bits and pieces like that. And like you say, your rowans are, uh, are filling out quite nicely now with berries. I bet the birds are stuffing their faces. Well, you can see them starting. So you can see them on there and then all on these rocks where they come and they, they pull the berries off and come sit on here and eat them. In various places, you, you're finding all the different coloured poos off them. Like, yeah. so. And who's responsible for that uh, beautiful floral display down there? There's a mix of all sorts oh. of kind of... Um, well, they're, they're cottage garden plants, aren't they? It's a, yeah, we've, we're calling that our sort of cottage garden bed. Right, um, OK. It's just sort of developed into that, really. It wasn't done that on that way on purpose, but it's um, just that's how it's turned out. And that's a lot of the original plants that we got from yourselves were in there. Yeah. And then what's happened with people who've been splitting the garden plants, I'd know where to put them they've come down and give us them and, and um, it sort of turned into this sort of thing B&Q gave us £100 um, for plants and what we've added in there yeah yeah um, it's so brilliant. It's, I mean, this is a shiny example of what's achievable with when a group of people that have, have, a, have a you know have some enthusiasm but want to share some effort get together and it just shows what can be achieved. Well, you know, in a, everything in a, you see here has been achieved with two hundred pounds. Right, right. Everything else we've sort of steeled and borrowed. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, <laughs> <laughs> and you find that people are once they realise what we're doing, they're, they're sort of only too willing to actually give get in there and help us, sort of thing. You know, fantastic. I mean, obviously all these rocks. Uh, these are all you given to us by bursts. You didn't move those by hand. No. Shall we have a walk up and see these apple trees? I'm, I'm really interested in uh, uh, feasting on one of these apples. I just wandered past some wonderful poplar seating, which is kind of living seating, because some of it I've noticed is sprouting, so chances are it'll be it'll root as well in the ground, so that's, um, that's, a, that's a wonderful thing to do. You don't have to worry about your seating <laughs> rotting or disappearing or anything. Well, that, that was another good thing, the, the TWS. These are logs from round in Telford somewhere, and they had them lying in their depot, and um, I asked them, could we have some, and they, they brought five of these great big logs down, uh, chainsawed the tops off for us, and we've got uh, seating all around the area yeah, now, which is, yeah. is again, is, is no cost at all. Like, so. so we come up. Now, the apple trees, I'm pleased to say that uh, Wiggly's having donated these apple trees, uh, they're all still alive. That's it, it's, well, yeah. And the, so, the whole and area. Got fruit on them as well, yeah. even on this first year. Ev- everything is, is taken really well here. I think they're a little bit too close because we're expecting to lose a couple, but but I think the rootstock in these is such that they're ne- they're no- never going to get massive anyway. You know, they'll only ever get uh-huh. to sort of twelve feet, possibly. Uh, I suppose we now we know what uh, sort of size can support apples, so we know that uh, they won't need to be much bigger than that. No, no, they won't. These trees won't get massive. Do you haven't tried any of these apples yet? No, we've we've, we've, the, we've got one. That, we've apples. got one lined up for us all, all to try. So okay. it's so like a bit of a so gonna, bit of a moment here, isn't it? So four, we need four four apples, okay. sleeping beauty to test it. Yeah, Sleeping Beauty. Well, well, I've never been good at Sleeping Beauty before, so uh, that's an interesting one. What do you think of these guys? Are you looking forward to trying these apples? Do you like apples? Yeah. Yeah, Mark's sawing away with with this ever so blunt knife. There we go. Let's try one of these. There you go. You can be the first one. Well, I I think (laughs) one of these young ladies should try it. Try it. Stuck on a piece first. There you go. Try that. See what it's like. See if it's. Tell me if it's sweet. 
There you go, Steve. You have a bit for you there. What's the verdict then, guys? Dave? Nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> 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 Two shy to do on there. Do, well, do they know something that we don't? <laughs> yeah. It's a fair old size one. This is great. Well, this is the first bit of fruit <laughs> I've eaten <laughs> from a wiggly tree. Well, there you go, eh? So there you are. That's quite a moment, Fantastic. isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it is, yeah. <laughs> so there's only four, four more portions to go there. I see. <laughs> <laughs> This um, bug tower that I'm looking at now is absolutely stunning. It's such a simple thing. Just a bunch of pallets stuck on top of one another with some bricks and some hay and straw and logs and rolled up corrugated cardboard and roofing tiles. And on the top, um, the Piesta Resistance is a square planter, loosely nailed together. Uh, we're using some old scrap wood and it's inundated with cosmos. And consequently, I'm watching little tiny worker bumblebees feasting away on the, on the pond these are obviously providing at the moment this looks great doesn't it it's, yeah, it just uh, surpassed our expectations that the roofs work really well you've got uh, different flowers different times and at the minute it's, it's just this massive cosmos and there's, there's loads of bees on here isn't there so it's, uh, oh, it's really nice a few hoverflies and drone flies and yeah. all sorts of things I mean this is obviously uh, you know, a feeding so like station a little nectar really. bar isn't it sort yeah, of thing. it is so, yeah. and really this is something that's very easy to make and uh, and, and will probably well, this took a couple of hours nothing. to make and it cost a fiver right. uh, and that was just a bit so you, I was going to say what did you actually yeah, that was just things like straw and and the um, the turf sort of thing. Okay, but I'm sure if, if I sort of worked a bit harder, you'd probably be able to get them for um, <laughs> yeah, nothing. for nothing sort of thing. But you know, say for a fiver, it's a real sort of focal point at the end of the yeah, orchard, it is, and it's, yeah. it's, it's it's done its job really it well. Is. I think it's really smart. So what's the what's the plan here then for the future? Now you've got so you're you're talking about uh, making wonderful arches, training your wild uh, dog mm -hmm. roses, and uh, creating a, a new wildflower pasture here. Possibly building is... dry stone walls and things like that. I mean, is there sufficient enthusiasm with the, with you guys to be able to maintain that? Yeah. that? We just put a new hedge in front of the the cottage garden, but. Granville, who supplies you with your besoms, right. he's got a wood in Stafford, and these are all stuff from his wood. So yeah, yeah. we got that off him. We'll hopefully get some more stuff, and we can in the meadow bit here, which for a minute is just a grass field, but that's our plan for next year: is to turn this into a meadow with with the wildflowers that we've got here. Right, right. Take split them and um, put them in there, yeah. and create another hurdle type entrance with an arch. So it uh, brings you into this bit. Absolutely. So lots of stuff to do. And of course, other agencies, you, you mentioned the Wildlife Trust and want to get involved. Yeah, that uh, Pete Lambert from the uh, local Wildlife Trust is coming down in a month's time. And he's going to create for us like a tunnel through the, the woodland that goes around the edge of the, the green space. He's going to create a tunnel that comes goes in there, works its way along, comes out down there. So the kids can walk through. Maybe like signs in there say... Cause it, you know, look for this and look for that. This yeah, is the type yeah. of tree. Yeah, yeah. They're going to put ne next boxes up for um, pied flycatchers because it's uh, behind us. We've got the reekin and there's some some there. Okay. And then just over the what way. Is it, what is a reekin then? What is it exactly? The reekin is a great big wooded area. Right. Um, but the reekin itself is a, a local landmark. Okay. Is um is all sorts of stories about giants and and all that sort of stuff right, associated right, yeah, with. Yeah, but yeah, uh, it's it's like the the main landmark for the um, sort of Telford area, like. Fantastic. So, I mean, I'm, I've got to say, I'm, I've got to congratulate you fellas on, on what you've managed to achieve here because 
there is a certain amount of nurturing involved. I can appreciate the extent to which you've taken the time out to make a real difference to a, a, a green space, not only something that you've created to accommodate, the, you know, like you mentioned, the, your, your village fate, you know, a nice community gathering where you had some music and picnics and things like that, but also a place to accommodate wildlife. So I think you've got the balance spot on. Well, I, I look forward to coming back next year and seeing, well, uh, seeing the changes. In, in about a year's well, time. It, uh, and another apple, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. Indeed. <laughs> indeed. I look forward to it. <laughs> Cheers. Well, thanks for that, Mark. Sounds like you had a great day out there, Richard. I did. Makes a change there, then. Rich, having a day out. <laughs> I've not had many days out recently. I've got to say, Phil, thank you for that. Uh, Rach, what are you up to now, anyway? What's, what have you got planned for the rest of the day? Well, for the rest of the day, in a little while, just after this, I'm off with Heather to go and visit this hop farmer because Heather and San have been spent the past couple of days coming back to Blakemere Farm with trailer loads of hops that they've had cut so that we can sell them. Right, right. So I'm not quite sure, but there's various ideas going around with what we're going to do them. I think we're going to sell them so that people can hang them up in their homes. They look yeah, lovely. Yeah. They um, do look lovely. I mean, hops are... A st- I mean, there's definitely a certain scent about a hop, but I think it's... I think it, personally, I think it's a gorgeous scent. But you know why there's that scent? I looked this up this morning. That They're the same family as cannabis. Really? Or the hemp family. And uh, so when they see? came in the office, I was thinking, like what's that smell? <laughs> <laughs> That's an interesting one. Is that right? Well, there yeah. you are. Folks will get the chance to buy these vines. Hot yeah, vines. and they can hang them up in their homes just like we have in Herefordshire pubs all over the place. Yeah. They last a long time as well, won't they? I think yeah, you? ages. A couple of years. You know, you can hang your hop vine up and it'll be there. And it's a nice feature as well in a room. Mm. But you know they're not vines. You know they're actually binds, Richard. Binds. No, I don't yes. Binds. Yeah, I, I stand corrected. Because they've got little hairs right. that help them to climb rather than vines that have suckers. Yes, I can see you've been on Wikipedia this morning. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing, amazing what you can learn. Oh, absolutely. But I've checked the references. Yeah. I've checked my references on it. They're very abrasive. <laughs> when you handle them, they'll, they'll um, you know, they don't sting you, but they certainly irritate the skin, and that's what those little hairs are, but that's how they hang on. Yeah. And they're very abrasive things. Yeah. Heather's got scratches all over her mm. arms from well, them. I mean, they've been shifting them in and out and up and down and around the houses, because yeah. we have to hang them up so they dry, or start to dry, and then... When you put them up in your house, as they dry more, and gradually they'll go from they're green now. They'll go through all the shades to brown, and yeah, they'll they'll last twelve months. I used well, to don't, like nothing them. goes wrong with them. After twelve months, they won't smell much. But you ever used to work in the hops when you were a kid? No, uh, I, 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 my father did. Thing. Yeah, it was a great. It was a, I, it used to be quite lucrative, you know, in summer holidays before college. Just at that end, it was the end of the summer holidays. Really, you get a chance to have a couple of weeks on the hops. And there was some, you know, well, some beer money, probably enough, made doing that. I have said that over at um, Edward Lewis's, where, where these hops have come from, at the Haven, which is quite a famous farm in Herefordshire, they've got a very famous pedigree Hereford cattle herd, yeah. and they're traditional outfit, you know, long, long-standing farm, but she said it is absolutely manic over there, with hops going in all directions, and, of course, you normally you put the hop bind into a hop picking machine which is a static machine back at the farm and it strips all the hops off which are these little sort of bushy well, I don't know how you they're describe the flowers, them. They're, aren't they're, they're, they're the but flowers but they look like a sort of elongated expanded Brussels sprout I suppose something like that. Yeah. They're quite soft and you, you extract those from the bine, chuck the bine away and then you lay these hops out in trays in the kiln but of course a hop kiln is a very close thing to a bonfire 
because you have a big flame in the bottom providing the heat and then you have the hops on the drying floors and the heat comes up through the hops and then at the top you have the peaked roof with these funny cowls that you've seen with a weather, like a wind vane on the yeah. end of it so that they always face away from the wind right. so the wind will draw the air out of the top of them right. but of course the combination of big oily fire effectively tinder dry hops which are very burnable and it is sort of traditional that hop kilns get burnt at fairly you know, regularly. <laughs> yeah, I always yeah, wondered yeah. why they were called kilns. I never knew there was a fire inside. Mm. That's why, isn't it? And it, it <laughs> the other thing that's interesting... I've they've missed that on Wikipedia then. The other thing that's interesting is that hop yards traditionally <coughs> are on heavy clay soil and with the demise of hops that's brought these fields into arable cropping mm. and we've had a couple of farms where the, there's been a field called the hop yard or, or similar and it's always the heaviest field and you could plant your hop yard and I don't actually know how long a hop will last it'll last quite a long time 15 years according to Wikipedia as long as it doesn't get wilt but it means that you don't have to cultivate that difficult soil very yeah. often and yeah. strong ground good crop but of course verticulum wilt which is the, the famous disease that hops get has thinned them out considerably um, and it has reduced them to trying to grow resistant varieties and there's been quite a lot of work doing growing dwarf varieties which don't require all the wire work that you see to make a hop yard which considerably eases the cost of doing it yeah. but of course these hops are from a traditional grown on a wire trellis with strings down to the ground and so you've got all these traditional jobs you've got stringing you've got tying the hops you have to go along twisting them to make sure they climb the strings and then when you harvest them you cut the string and the bind off at the ground and off up in the air so somebody's up in the air cutting them off and the whole thing which is what we've got then goes back to the hop picker in a little trailer mm. hundreds of these trailers all going in all directions absolute chaos and before hop picking machines it was traditional for the folk from the cities and round here it would have been miners families would come up from south wales and they pick hops by hand and so they'd be in the field pick the flowers off into the field into these big hessian hop pockets and take them back to the farm to dry for years that was a traditional summer activity and if you talk to some of the miners families now they can remember their grandparents sending them as kids into the hop yards in Herefordshire. Fantastic. No more, I'm afraid. Who needs Wikipedia? When well, we're not going to end on that note. Let's have a, let's have a quick uh, blast from young Monty. MontyCast, a weekly fact on wiggliness. Baby bats are called pups and are born without fur. Another MontyCast, a weekly fact on wiggliness. Next week... Thanks, Monty. Superb. Right, Phil, we're not going to end on a, on a negative note. This morning, Mike and I were, were having this conversation earlier on as I drove into work and I was listening to some upbeat farmers' comments that all is not doom and gloom across the whole sector. Well, of course, one of the advantages of plenty of water through the summer is that there's plenty of grass. So for those of us with grazing animals, they've been doing very nicely, thank you, over the summer. And as long as they're on fields that don't poach too badly... The grass has grown and they've put on weight in the prescribed fashion. And, and so that, that is a positive. It is. And, and uh, my mate Richard, of, of all things uh, ovine, 
And I saw him on Sundays, he drove past, and I said, how are you getting on, Rich? He said, brilliant, it's great, I love all this rain. <laughs> and uh, it's because of course he's got fantastic, lots and lots of lovely lush green grass um, to fatten his lambs on. And the other uh, element of farming was vegetable production. Apparently it's been a brilliant year for vegetables, so consequently the cost of vegetables in supermarkets shouldn't, uh, shouldn't go up. Well, of course, any system that's based on handwork is likely to get on better because you're not faced with trying to get machinery onto the field, so yeah, that sure. if you're picking veg essentially by hand, that's the sort of system that's going to work, and, and you obviously haven't had to irrigate it, and I would guess that it's gone very well and there's been a nice consistent supply throughout the summer. Fantastic. Okay, and just before we go, I should mention the do that Terry and I are ha- having on the 10th of October. Any listeners who would like to come along to Preston and Wye Village Hall for a, a decidedly entertaining evening with, uh, with Terry and I talking about uh, all sorts of things, allotment, natural gardening, uh, self-sufficiency, and hosting some great debate should make their way across, and, uh, and we look forward to seeing you on the 10th. If you want tickets, which are advisable to buy in advance, then you should give us a ring here at Wiggly's and we can pop you a ticket in the post. They're £10. That includes supper. So if any of you travel any, any distances, you get a chance to drink lots of hideous-tasting uh, mulled cider, um, but some very tasty local treats. For those of you who may like to indulge in more mulled cider, I think we have got a range of bed and breakfast possibilities that we can put you in touch with as well for those who might care to come from further afield. Thank you, Phil. Well, I think that's it. That's, uh, I've got to say bye-bye from me. Bye from me. And goodbye from me.